Well, welcome to uh, Sunday School this morning. can go ahead and get started. We'll just uh, jump right in and get going this morning. Uh, uh, let's have a quick word of prayer and then we'll get started. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time to gather together this morning. I uh, just pray that you would be with us in our study of your word this morning, that uh, your Holy Spirit would illumine the truth to us and that we would have hearts that are ready to uh, comply with what we find in your word this morning. I pray that the book of Proverbs would would uh, just open up to us and that we would see how to uh, live a life that is pleasing to you and that that it would be more than just academic knowledge, that it would truly change us as people. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so this morning uh, we'll get started with the the few articles today. Uh, This one, getting a little feedback, Nick. I don't know if it's too loud or what, but that... that, uh, that seems better. I don't know if you did anything, but it seems better. Uh, here's a Washington Post article from, I believe this was Friday, yes, December 9th. Headline, Russia-Iran military partnership unprecedented and growing, officials say. Uh, article says the relationship between Russia and Iran is becoming a, quote, a full-scale defense partnership that threatens the Middle East and the rest of the world, a senior U.S. official said Friday. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby said that support is flowing both ways as Moscow offers an unprecedented level of military and technical support to Tehran in exchange for Iranian drones and potentially ballistic missiles for use in Ukraine. The new assessment citing intelligence reports builds on previous U.S. reports of the sale of hundreds of Iranian drones currently being used by Russia to to attack Ukrainian energy infrastructure. Uh, Russia is seeking to collaborate with Iran on areas like weapons development and training. Oh, there was something else. Uh... We are concerned that Russia intends to provide Iran with advanced military components. Kirby said he declined to specify what those components were, but agreed that they could include air defense. Russia's S-400 air defense system is considered one of the most world's most capable. So, uh, we know as good Bible students that one, uh, one day, at some point in the future, uh, according to Ezekiel 38, that Russia... Iran, Turkey, and uh, all of the Stan nations in Central Asia, Southern Central Asia, and uh, the Sudan, parts of Africa, are all going to come together to invade Israel. And so when we see articles like this, that Russia and Iran are joining together militarily, it, uh, it doesn't mean that Ezekiel 38... And 39 war is going to happen tomorrow, but it is an indication to us that the things we see in the Bible are certainly accurate and true. And when we see prophecies in the Bible that have not been uh, fulfilled in the past, 
that means we can look forward to them being fulfilled in the future. Speaking of which, here's one that you probably saw. Can't play the art, can't play the video for you, and there's not too much to this article because they concentrate on the on the video of Emmanuel Macron uh, saying, "We need a single global order," says Macron at APEC summit. This is uh, Barron's article, November 18th. So this is old news by now. Uh, President Emmanuel Macron describes current world, the current world order as a jungle, posing the U.S. and China as two big elephants, trying to become more and more nervous. Speaking at the APEC summit in Thailand, the French leader urges the cooperation of a lot of other animals and calls for a single world order. If you haven't seen the video of it, uh, I would encourage you to watch that. It's kind of, uh, kind of enlightening. And this, this, if you just Google Emmanuel Macron, one world order or one world government, this kind of things, you can come up with a myriad, you will come up with a myriad of results of him saying very similar things. So this is, this is certainly nothing new. Essentially, he's saying that the world is uh, currently, the nations of the world are either following the United States or following China, and this is to all of our detriment. This is not a good thing. It's not even good for the U.S. or good for China. What we really need is a one-world government. We just need one, one world order that follows after one, uh, one leader. And Macron, you know, oh, by... And it could be me. <laughs> Not saying he's the Antichrist, but he uh, he is an individual personally. I think uh, that fits the bill in a lot of in a lot of ways uh, to be the Antichrist. Is he the Antichrist? I have no idea. Uh, he he may be. He may not be. But he certainly is uh, pitching the idea of a one-world government. Uh, very, very frequently, he does that. Which again is doesn't mean that that the uh, tribulation is next week and the one world government is here and you know all of those kinds of um, sensationalistic things that we may hear. But what it does mean, again, just like Russia and Iran collaborating, is that. The things that the Bible says about the future are most certainly true, and we see the world progressing very rapidly to this. And frankly, the the world has never been in a position that it is today that, that a government could control the entire world. And and we, we are getting to the point with the Internet, and uh, I saw another article this week that they have developed a new microchip and ability to transfer data. They transferred the entirety of the Internet in one second, I think it was, across this laser fiber thing <laughs> to, a, to, a, to a microchip which is incredible. So they so now we're to the point where at least in theory they can transmit all of the data of the internet 
instantaneously, the current internet instantaneously. And so, and all that's going to lead to is more and more control over people, which is what the Bible says is going to take place. Speaking of governments having control over people, here is a U.S. news report from uh, just this past week, December 8th. Uh, Headline is, House approved same-sex marriage bill, sending it to Biden's desk. And this just happened last week. And this is kind of, uh, I don't know that it's unprecedented, but it certainly is rare for for a lame duck Congress to pass legislation after an election when they're on their way out, particularly when the the current majority is no longer the majority in the future. But yet, uh, the the super bad news for America is that several Republicans voted for this also. So that's essentially why it passed. It it didn't, they would have done it after. Uh, Either way, and that's, that's that's the hole that we find ourselves in. The article says the legislation which codifies federal protections for same-sex marriage comes months after a Supreme Court decision overturning the right to an abortion cast doubt on protections for related rights. See, all of it goes together. Abortion, same-sex marriage, uh, uh, gun control, all of these things are one nice little package that that uh, laws have been passed that violate the Constitution. Supreme Court justices like Clarence Thomas and Samuel Alito point these things out, so now Congress is all up in arms to pass laws that, to try to make it harder for the Supreme Court to have judgments against these supposed rights. But it, the article goes on, it says, the House approved a landmark bill on Thursday to codify federal protections for same-sex and interracial marriages, clearing its final hurdle, hurdle in Congress before heading to the desk of President Joe Biden for his signature. And here, here comes the reason why. This is from Representative Judy Chu of California. Quote, Sending this bill to the president's desk sends a powerful message that love is love, that family is family, and that this Congress stands together against hate and discrimination. So, uh, you know, we hear this kind of talk so often that it, it can just go over our heads. But when she says love is love, what she means is love is love the way that I define it to be, or the way that we as people define it to be. Family is family, according to our definition. So when they, when they say love is love, of course, they mean that you can have relations with whomever you would like in spite of what God's Word says. Uh, family is family. It can be two dads, two moms, a dad and a dog, whatever you want. That's, that's all fine, as long as it isn't what the Bible says. A husband and a wife with children, raising them in the admonition of the Lord. Uh, so that's, that's where we find ourselves in America, and Republicans and Democrats alike uh, voting for this. We're 
we're in trouble, uh, to say to say the least. So, uh, just to brighten our days before we study the book of Proverbs. Uh, that's why our nation, that's why we need to be in prayer for our nation. Prayer for our leaders, because, because when they, they say things like, we're doing this against hate and discrimination, what they, what they mean is the Bible is quote-unquote hate speech. And they're already passing laws like that in, in Europe. You can, maybe I'll find one uh, on Finland. Finland just recently passed or was trying to pass, I'll have to look it up, some information or uh, legislation declaring the Bible to be hate speech, which is uh, where the world is headed. If you'll remember, the fifth, the fifth seal judgment, the people are killed because of the word of God. If you'll remember, that's where we're headed. It's not... Uh, they are now declaring the Bible to be hate speech. And we see it being fulfilled in the tribulation, if not before then, that people are going to be literally killed because they believe in the Bible, because of the Word of God. And so with that, let's uh, strengthen our uh, faith in the Word of God by studying it and allowing the Holy Spirit to apply it to our lives so that we can stand firm in the times in which we are living. And there's no better place to go than the book of Proverbs to, to learn what the Lord desires for us uh, in terms of our spiritual life. And, and not just uh, our spiritual life as in you know, saying our prayers and coming to church and these kinds of things. No, your spiritual life is really is, is your life. It's how you it's how you live uh, in front of other people and when nobody else is around. That those are the those are the kinds of things that the Lord is concerned with. And so we find ourselves in in Proverbs chapter three, probably the most practical section of the most practical book in the entire Bible. So that, that puts, you want to know how to, to live as a Christian, go to Proverbs chapter 3 and, and memorize it. Uh, make it a part of who you are. So last time uh, we didn't have our, our uh, visuals up here, so this time uh, we do. So you'll be able to see these uh, 10 keys to the Christian life that the Proverbs chapter 3 is easily divided into. This, uh, we've, I've entitled this, How to Live for the Lord. So that'll kind of be the entire, this little uh, mini-series within a series on Proverbs as we cover chapter 3. Uh, it's easily dividable or divisible into 10 sections, 10 points that show us 10 keys for Christian living. If, if we do these 10 things that we find here, we're going to find ourselves uh, being sanctified, if you will. After all, that's what Proverbs is all about. Sanctification, the Christian life. So how to live for the Lord. Uh, two of those keys are trust the Lord, not yourself. And so last time, we'll do a little bit of review. Here are our... 10 keys 
for contentment or 10 keys for the Christian life, we need to internalize God's Word, speaking of memorizing and, and applying it to, to our lives, uh, internalize God's Word, trust in the Lord, have no confidence in yourself, honor the Lord with your money, grow in the struggle. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but, the li- but this life isn't always easy. Sometimes it can be a struggle. And we are uh, told to grow during those times. We need to be seeking wisdom and knowledge. Know that the Lord is with us all the time. Uh, be generous with not just your money, but with your, with your time and your, your energy, your knowledge, all of these kinds of things. Love your neighbor and eschew evil. And so last time we saw in Proverbs 3, 1 through 4, that it, that it is incumbent upon us to internalize God's Word. Solomon says in Proverbs 3, 1, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. So uh, the very first uh, command there is to remember the word, if you will, that, that uh, term there that is translated in the NASB as teaching is the Hebrew word Torah, which is also uh, sometimes we uh, interpret or understand as law, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, uh, and but that word can also mean teaching. So that not that an interesting concept that, that the word Torah can be translated as teaching? It's not just uh, a list of do's and don'ts, which is what we typically think of when we think of the law. That's what we think of. Oh, the, the Jewish people, you know, they're very legalistic. They have this set of laws and rules and regulations that they have to keep perfectly and all of these kinds of things. Well, uh, that's what Judaism has been turned into in the Pharisaical system, but it, it is not. That's what Jesus condemned over and over and over during, the, during his life and his earthly ministry. And that's still what it is today because they rejected Christ, but that isn't the intention. That's not why God gave the law to them. He did not give them the law so that they would be legalistic and think they have to keep this in order to be saved people. No, it is teaching. That's what the word literally means, Torah, teaching, not necessarily a list of do's and don'ts. It, 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 the Lord is instructing his people how to live for him and, and, uh, we turn it into a, a legalistic standard to our, to our detriment because after all, we are supposed to obey with our hearts. But let your heart keep my commandments, second half of verse one there. And so we ought to allow the, the word to change who we are. That's what Paul says in Romans 12, of course, kicking off that uh, wonderful chapter about how to apply the truth of salvation and all of the things that God is going to do in the world and what he's doing through the Holy Spirit, 
How do we apply this to our lives? Romans 12, step one, allow your mind to be transformed by these truths and not be conformed to the world around us. That's, that is our, our number one easiest trap to fall into is to allow ourselves to be conformed by the world. And I guess the Lord wants us to hear that message because that's what Revelation is all about today as well. Obedience begins with the heart and mind, just like David says in Psalm 51. And this will actually do, actually increase the quality of your life, God says here in His Word. Again, these are kind of general principles. Uh, The fact of the matter is, if you live according to God's Word, uh, you're going to have less impact from sin in your life. It's very, uh, there are some very obvious, easy examples to see. You take uh, narcotics, you're going to do damage physically to your body. You drink too much alcohol, again, you, it's just, that's actual science. It destroys you internally. Uh, you commit adultery as a, as a man with someone's uh, wife who is married. Guess what? Her husband is likely to kill you or to do you some kind of physical harm if you do that. Uh, Sin has consequences, some very uh, obvious, some are more subtle, Uh, of course. You can, sin can cause all kinds of problems in your relationships uh, with your children, with your husband or with your wife. And these cause all kind, causes all kinds of stress and these kinds of things in your life that are a detriment to you. So, as we are following God's Word, it actually helps us, literally, physically, uh, in, this, in this life. And so next, so we need to be internalizing God's Word, not just keeping it as a matter of a legalistic, standard, but literally making it part of of who we are uh, and keeping God's Word in our heart as much as, as that is step one with obeying it uh, with our our feet and our hands and our eyes. It's got to be internalized into who, a part of who we are, essentially. And that leads into trusting the Lord, the next key to contentment, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. So we, we covered uh, most of this last time or a good part of it at any rate. Again, trust in the Lord always. Another command here, batak is the Hebrew term that is there as an imperative, a command to us. This is something that we, we have to do if we want to have, be living the Christian life or living for the Lord. It is incumbent upon us to trust Him. And so there's, you know, you want a, you want a rule to follow or, or a law to follow, there's, there's one. Right along with love your neighbor, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. There's some rules and regulations 
for us to follow. Trust the Lord always is another one. So we are to, to rest in Him, be confident in Him, be confident in His Word. Uh, Hezekiah is a perfect example. We talked about him last time, 2 Kings 18. He, he literally, it says, he trusted in the Lord and then he followed Him. He tore down all of their idols and false worship things. It, it had an effect on who he is and what he was doing, his trust in the Lord. And trust is just another uh, word or synonym for faith or believe. That's why that's what the gospel is, is all about. It is trust in God. It is a turning from trusting in ourself to trusting in Christ and what God has done for us. And that, that's not the end of it, of course. Trust is imperative for the Christian life as well. It's not just a trust at a moment in time, uh, and then we're, ju- then we're just all set for the rest of our lives. We are, we do have eternal life based on a, an instantaneous moment of trust at a point in time. I Okay, I understand I'm a sinner, and Christ died for me. I can't save myself. I am trusting in Christ's sacrificial death on the cross. You have eternal life granted to you at that point in time. You have passed from death into life, John 5, 24, Jesus says. But but your life doesn't just end there. Now you have a life of continual trust ahead of you because it is impossible to please God without trust without faith. So as a believer in Christ, it ought to be our number one priority in this life should not be satisfying our own selfish fleshly desires, you know, looking out for number one and everything that the world tells us to do. No, our number one goal as a believer ought to be to please God please the one who saved us. And it is impossible to please him without faith. Literally, from chapter and verse, Hebrews eleven six, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Now, the seeker-friendly crowd will love this uh, verse. And quite frankly, they're kind of taking it out of context. Because you could say, well, it, it says, right? What do you mean? It says right here, he is a seeker of those who reward him. So shouldn't we make our church seeker-friendly? Make it at, like we're, we're not sure whether we're walking into a bar or a, or a concert? Uh, because that's what the world likes. We certainly don't want them to be walking into a stuffy old church. Uh, no, that's not what this verse is, is saying. Hebrews chapter 11, the, the hall of fame of faith, if you will, it is, a, it is a chapter all about people who lived for the Lord, people who were sanctified in their life before the Lord. And how did they do that? They did it by walking by faith. 
they still they had faith in the Lord even after they were saved people they continued to walk by faith because it is impossible to please him without faith god doesn't god does not respect our uh, own efforts that we are doing in our own strength in our own power in our own thinking by our own uh, devices no he rewards uh, walking by faith in him. So we're, we are not to uh, trust in our own way of thinking. We are to trust in the Lord's way of thinking that we find in his word. So we don't rely on the flesh like uh, uh, Saul did. First Samuel 15 was our example. We don't rely in human reasoning, though that is empiricism and rationalism, essentially. That's the world's way of thinking. Rationalism, a belief or theory that uh, opinions and actions should be based on reason and knowledge rather than religious belief or emotion. This all of, you could just, I could entitle this humanism. <laughs> That's what humanism is. We need to eradicate God from the world. We need to define, make our own definitions. Love is love. Family is family. These kinds of things. And because we have come up with this in our own rational minds that deny the Creator who created our minds for us. Interesting. So it's not, it's not very rational after all, is it? Uh, so... We need to make sure that our minds are being informed by the scriptures when we make decisions. Uh, or empiricism, the theory that all knowledge is derived from sense experience. Yeah, well, it feels good. <laughs> it makes me happy, so it must be good. That, that's the baseline empiricism. Our, our experiences drive our thinking. That, too, is a, is a very big problem. As we know, uh, sin, sin can be enjoyable for a time, obviously. We can feel like, oh, you know, I told this lie, I got away with it, all right, I'm, I'm good uh, for now. And any other number of obvious examples of sin appealing to the flesh. That doesn't make it right of course, that doesn't, our experiences can deceive us, obviously. Uh, that's the world's way of thinking. Instead, we need to be biblical thinkers. And that begins with the fear of the Lord, recognizing who we are as created beings and who God is, that we are responsible to him as, uh, as sinful humans. That's step two in our Hebrews eleven six. by the way. Without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is. That's, kind of, that's another way of saying the fear of the Lord. You have to have the fear of the Lord if you want to live for him, even as a believer. Yes, that's part of receiving eternal life. You have to know you're a sinner. If you don't know you need to be saved, then well, you're not going to be saved. That's kind of, kind of obvious. If you don't realize you have a problem with the holy God, 
then you're going to be in trouble. Then you can't know you need to be saved. Same is true in the Christian life as we move along. We have to continually recognize and remember, remind ourselves who God is. That's why we come to church. That's why, as the author of Hebrews says in his letter, we don't forsake the gathering together of the brethren as is the habit of some. No, we come together so that not just so we can have fun and eat good food and fellowship and love one another, all great, all wonderful things, but they are a byproduct of coming together and learning his word and applying it to our lives. That's what church is about, reminding ourselves of who we are and who God is. We are sinful. He is holy. We as uh, humans still with the sin nature need to be reminded of that every moment of the day because our sin nature wants wants us to forget that. So we need to remind ourselves of this. God is the creator of the physical world and the spiritual world as another part, kind of step two of biblical thinking, something we always need to remember as well. He created the physical laws that govern the physical world, like the planets moving around the sun. That doesn't just happen by accident. God created those physical laws that make that happen. In just the same way, he created spiritual laws that govern the spiritual world. The pagans uh, make up their own rules about the spiritual world, and it, and it inevitably ends in worship of the creation rather than the creator, which is precisely the road that we are going down right now. It always, always throughout human history has ended in worship of the creation rather than the creator. Paul tells us that in Romans chapter 1. He describes this the falling away from God and how it inevitably, invariably ends in worship of the creation. And oh, by the way, that's what we're doing uh, today in this world with all of this green energy, green this, green that. Uh, uh, what is the what was the term? Uh, something sustainability that Macron was saying as well. Uh, inclusive, yes, inclusive sustainability. It's all one. It's all one package. Uh, to put it nicely, <laughs> without adding a moniker to the package there. what uh, It's all one satanic package. Inclusive sustainability. That, that, uh, that's what love is love, family is family, and we got to save the earth. Uh, that is uh, inventing our own spiritual laws to govern ourselves instead of recognizing, no, God is the creator. He determined before the foundation of the world how we can be right with him. And it is faith through the shed blood of his son on the cross, not through uh, saving the earth with solar panels 
That's ridiculous, of course. And, oh, by the way, biblical thinking recognizes the fact that we need special revelation. Uh, Adam needed it in the garden. There's no way that he could have known not to eat from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil without God telling him. He could not possibly have known that. Uh, Abraham could not possibly have known uh, how to be made right with God unless God told him. And he believed it. He trusted him. It was credited to him as righteousness. Uh, and all of the, the several examples there. We need special revelation from God, and it's in his word. Uh, Jesus tells us that. Your word is truth. Sanctify them in the truth. We need the truth in order to be made right with God. So we shouldn't be, that's why we need to trust in Him always, not trust in ourselves. Acknowledge God in all that you do. Consider Him in every single thing that you are doing. That was the mistake of Ananias and Sapphira. They did not consider God in all that they were doing. Uh, they thought they could get away with lying and they paid with their lives. You know, there's any. I'm not going to make the application for you. Uh, the Holy Spirit can do that. How you can acknowledge God in every single thing that you are doing. That's what our uh, text tells us to do. Proverbs 3, 6. In all your ways acknowledge Him. And He will guide you, He says. Uh, there. And it's not uh, some kind of mystical guidance, you know, that he's going to appear to you in a dream or these kinds of things. It's kind of speaking of dreams. I had an overnight in Reno this week and they have uh, an all-you-can-eat sushi place in the hotel where we were. And we come and I had it. I think everybody, everybody on our crew the next morning had it. And I came down you get your cup of coffee in the lobby and we're standing around talking before we get on the van and one of the flight attendants is saying how they had weird dreams that night. And that other pilot that I'm with, so did I. And the other, every single person in the crew, including myself, had weird dreams that night. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. And then I realized, oh, we all had the sushi. I've read that before. Sushi can sometimes give you weird dreams. So all that to say, don't rely on your dreams. Don't <laughs> that God is trying to tell you something through your dreams that can get you into trouble. That that's not the way he works anymore. He's revealed himself in his word. We internalize his word. We trust in his word. We don't trust in ourselves. Uh, and he, he guides us through that, through his word, Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So we need to be trusting in God's word and not in ourselves. And I guess I've taken all of our time through doing that, but we'll just read the verse, Proverbs 3, 7 and 8. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. It's almost like the Lord wants us to 
uh, follow his word so that our lives will be more fulfilling and less stressful. Uh, because that's what he's telling us again in Proverbs 3, 7, and 8, and we will pick it up there next time. Let's go to him in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the revelation of the truth that we have in it, and we especially thank you for the word who became flesh, Jesus Christ, who is also the truth. He is the very embodiment of the truth. And we thank you for him coming into this world to die for our sins so that we could have eternal life with you. I pray that you would go with us uh, into the service. I pray that that would be honoring and pleasing to you and that we would come away from our study of your word this morning, knowing you better, loving you more, and uh, being ready to serve you with our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.